Welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast. If you love tennis and want to improve your game, this podcast is for you. Whether it's technique, strategy, equipment, or the mental game, tennis professional Ian Westerman is here to make you a better player. And now, here's Ian. Hi, and welcome to the Essential Tennis Podcast, your place for free, experts, tennis instruction that can truly help you improve your game. Today's episode of the Essential Tennis Podcast is brought to you by TennisExpress.com. Please check them out by going to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. Thank you very much for joining me on today's show and a happy new year to all of you listening. It's great to have you as a listener. Two quick things before we get to today's questions that I'm going to be answering for listeners And they both have to do with feedback. I'd love to hear from you. If you're listening to this show, it'd be great to get some feedback from you. And you can do that in two ways this week. Number one, I'd love for you to leave a comment about today's show. And in the new section of EssentialTennis.com for the podcast, you can leave comments for each individual show. And I'd, I'd love for you guys to start leaving more comments to give me feedback so I can improve the show. Maybe you can ask me a follow-up question about something I talked about today or disagree with me about something that I I said in response to a question today. Whatever your feedback is, I'd love to hear from you. And you can leave feedback by going to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. And this week, I'd love to give away some free strains. The first 10 people that leave a comment about today's show, episode number 151, I'll send a pack of free strain. No matter where you are in the world, it doesn't matter. I'd I'd love to hear from you no matter what your feedback is. And I'll send you a free pack of strain if you comment on episode number 151, which is today's episode. Again, that's EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. Second way you can give me some feedback this week, and I'd really appreciate this, if you guys wouldn't mind sending me an email and tell me what you'd like to see changed or improved in 2011 on EssentialTennis.com in general. This could be for the podcast, the forums, the video section, whatever. Maybe you'd like to see a completely new section or a different type of content or more content on a certain subject. What, whatever it is, I'd love to hear from you if you're listening to my voice right now. So tell me what you'd like to see more of. I, I'm always trying to make EssentialTennis.com a better place for all of you who are trying to improve your tennis game. And the best way I can do that for you is if you tell me what you'd like. <laughs> so shoot me an email. You, you can always do that at Ian, I-A-N, at EssentialTennis.com. All right, let's go ahead and get down to business. Sit back, relax, and get ready for some great tennis instruction. All right, so let's go ahead and get to our first question on episode number 151 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. And this question comes to us from James in the UK. James, thank you very much for writing. He wrote to me and said, I have one main problem, my mentality. I've listened to every one of your podcasts, but they don't seem to help. I'm sorry about that, (laughs) first of all, James. Basically, my problem is that I can be behind 5-2 and then come back and win the set easily. But if I'm up 5-0, 40-love in the final set, I can't hit a winning shot because I'm so tight. I don't ease off, but I can't pull the trigger on my winning shot. Well, James, that's a really, really frustrating problem to have. And 
everybody listening who has competed at all in tennis, I, I think definitely empathizes with you. We, we know where you're coming from, and it, it's not a simple issue to deal with. Mental tennis in general is, is complicated. It doesn't seem like it should be such a big problem. Tennis seems from the outside like it should be a relatively simple game, a relatively simple sport. You, you, know, you hit the ball on the court. You try to hit it into play one more time than your opponents. And if you do, then you win. But people don't realize when first getting into it how mentally difficult it can be to, to keep focus, to keep your concentration, to stay confident, to be aware of what's going on on the courts and make good decisions tactically. It's not easy. And first of all, I, I'm sorry that none of the, I, since you say you've listened to, to all the shows, I assume that you've listened to the many, many mental toughness episodes I've done already. And they're all categorized in the archives at EssentialTennis.com. If you're listening and you haven't heard them yet, go to EssentialTennis.com slash podcast. And on the right, there's a section that says mental toughness. And there's a there's got to be at least 15 or 20 episodes where I talk about different parts of, of mental toughness, a lot of times with expert guests. And you can download all of those for free. So I definitely recommend that you guys do that. Uh, but I'm sorry those haven't helped you. And today I'm going to give you my take kind of from my own thoughts here, James. I've had a lot of guests on the show talking about this sort of thing. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about is going to be repetition. But hopefully my take on it or the way that I'm going to explain it is going to make sense to you. And I'll give you some some ideas on how to improve this. And in my opinion, there's two main reasons why this occurs in tennis players. And I've experienced this. And as I talked about a second ago, you know, if you if you've competed in any capacity in tennis, you have experienced this in some way or another. Maybe not as debilitating as what James is describing, but we all know what it's like to get a lead and then all of a sudden get tentative and nervous. I think there, there's two main reasons why this occurs. Number one whether it's conscious or unconscious, just letting off the gas pedal in general when you assume that the win is in the bag. So if you're literally at the point that James was talking about, up 5-0 in a set, 40 love in, in the final set, he says, in the third set, it can be very easy and natural and human nature, I guess, to assume, well, I'm going to win now. And so you let your guard down, you stop trying so hard, and this is a huge mental mistake. Not only is it just false in general that you should ever be able to relax and not give it 100% effort, both mentally and physically, but you have to realize that when you're up by a huge margin, that's the point in the match that your opponent will most likely be trying the hardest. If they have a huge lead, I guarantee you they're not going to be trying their hardest then unless... Maybe they listen to this episode or they've read mental tennis books and they understand how big of a mistake it is. A lot of times, if it's a really close match, both players will really be fighting it out. But really, for most people, especially those people who are really competitive, when they're down by a wide margin is when they're fighting the most. It's when they're trying whatever they can to hopefully try to turn this match around and win, whatever the cost. Of course, if they're 
attitude isn't great. Maybe they're giving up and they're pouting and they're, you know, not having a good day and they're having a pity party over on the other side of the court. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's impossible for them to play poorly when they're down by a lot, but just realize that the best competitors try the hardest when they're down by a wide margin. So letting off the gas pedal and trying to coast to a victory after you've achieved a, a lead is a huge mistake. And one of the guests that I've had on the show several times, David Grumping, who's a mental toughness expert, he, I think, has given me kind of my favorite quote about this specifically, that is letting off the gas. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know if this is the exact quote, but he said once uh, in a previous episode where I had him on the show that you're either building a lead or you're losing it. You, sh- you should never be trying to just maintain a lead. And what he's talking about here is not even relaxing and not, not trying hard. He's talking about just maintaining a lead. So you get up a break in that set or you get up two breaks in a set. Never try to, oh, okay, now I just have to hold my serve. And so, and so you don't worry anymore about breaking serve. You don't even really try that hard to win each and every game because you, you realize, great, well, if I just hold serve, I'll win the match. And so you relax mentally just that little bit, and that gives your opponent the opportunity to put their foot in the door and come back in the match. So this is the, the first main cause mentally of what James is talking about. I don't think this is his problem, though. The, the second main cause, and James, I think this is where you are stumbling, is just general nervousness and anxiety. Pretty sure this is what you're going through. And basically, the way this works is you get up by a wide margin, like what you're describing, and then you have thoughts like, wow, this is great. I've got this big lead, but, but, but people who have issues with, with nervousness don't think in the positive. They think, what if I lose now? <laughs> How terrible would that be? I'm up by this wide margin. What if I lose? And a lot of times there's social pressures that they that players who have this problem attach to this as well. Maybe they're playing against somebody that they should lose to, somebody who's quote-unquote better than them, and they're up by a bunch. They started thinking, wow, well, I'm not supposed to beat this player. What, what if I win? That would be incredible. Or what if I'm up by this much against this great player and then I lose and I blow it? What, what are my friends going to think of me? What are my teammates going to think of me? What is my mom who's watching me if you're a junior player? What's she going to think of me? Or I guess maybe even if you're not a junior player and your mom is watching you, what's she going to think of me? Maybe you're playing somebody who's much quote unquote worse than you. They're a level below you. And you have that big lead. And then you start to think to yourself, well, obviously I'm supposed to win, but what if they come back and beat me? That'd be terrible. I'm, I'm supposed to win this and I'm up by a bunch. What if I blow this? And a lot of times recreational players or, or even higher level players who aren't trained to be mentally tough have these thoughts of failure, this fear of failure and this fear of socially letting other people down, their peers down, their friends, their family, their teammates, etc. And that just chokes them off. And it really it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe they, they get nervous for that first game when they have these initial thoughts of what if. 
and they get tight and they lose. Maybe they get broke in that game. And then there becomes even more nervousness because you start thinking, wow, this might actually happen. And it snowballs and it gets worse and worse and worse. James, I have a feeling that you're identifying with what I'm talking about here, what I'm describing. And I'd be surprised if this, if this isn't exactly what's going on in your own head. So, of course, the question is, how do we fix this? And I have the antidote, <laughs> I, I believe, anyway, that this is what I, what I feel is going to help you the most, James. And if you're listening right now and you understand exactly what I'm talking about and you're thinking to yourself, yes, this is exactly my issue, what you need to develop is a tenacious, competitive spirit. You need to have an attitude that no matter what, you're going to do your best, you're going to fight the hardest you possibly can, and you're going to hit the best possible shot from shot to shot. And There's just no question in your mind that you are going to perform on each and every individual point, and you're going to do that, you're going to hold that intensity and that focus and that concentration throughout the entire match. Now, one thing I want to say about this is there's a fine line between what I'm describing and perfectionism. And James, I'm guessing you're you're at one one end of the spectrum right now. You don't have a lot of confidence. You you're gaining a lead and getting really nervous and anxious and and worried that you're going to lose, and then it ends up happening. On the opposite end of the scale is perfectionism, and I used to be on that end of the, end of the scale where I always expected perfect out of myself. And saying that out loud, of course, it sounds ridiculous, but a lot of players who pursue a sport passionately and they have high expectations of themselves really develop some perfectionistic uh, tendencies mentally and things become just miserable. <laughs> so so don't, don't swing back the other way and expect yourself to always be perfect. Just by having this confidence doesn't mean that you'll always win or that you'll always make the shot. And that's what I, what I struggled with personally in college was, you know, I, trust me, uh, the desire to win was, was so, so strong. I wanted to do my best and I, I knew what I was capable of. And when I didn't achieve to that level, then I felt like I was a failure. And you have to realize that no matter how well you play, you can always lose. No matter how well you hit the shot, sometimes you can miss it. And so mentally, you have to develop the confidence that it's always possible for you to perform at your best, but not expect that it will always happen. And that's, that's a difficult balance to strike. Uh, personally, I, I've, had a, I've been trying to ratchet down my own expectations over the last couple of years. And I, I can say with confidence that... I'm enjoying competing much more now than I was in college because I'm learning how to deal with those expectations and manage them more realistically. Uh, but James, you need to come up from the opposite end of the, of the spectrum and find a, a healthy balance in between uh, confidence, knowing you're going to do well, developing just a tenacious, competitive spirit. You need to balance that with maybe expecting too much from yourself, but um, I, I'm guessing that's not your problem right now. So how do you develop this? You're saying, well, that's great. Ian. that's great. I, I understand. I need that competitive spirit. But how do I get that? And the way that you do it is through repeated exposure to high-pressure, competitive environments and situations. And this is not just tennis. But you, you can find ways to compete 
and do it with intensity all the time. And uh, in, in writing my outline here for today's show last night, I thought it might be fun to list just off the top of my head all the different competitive things that I've been a part of. And, and this this list, again, just off the top of my head, these are the things that just came to mind right away, the different uh, sports or activities, athletic activities that I've been a part of just since I became an adult. And by adult, I mean 18 years old up until now. And in all of these different activities, I have competed intensely, <laughs> meaning that my opponent in, in these activities wanted to beat me really bad. I wanted to beat him really bad. And, and we competed strongly, you know, back and forth. And neither of us gave an inch the entire time, whatever period of time it was during this competition or this activity or this sport. And by doing things like this, you can develop this this intensity and this focus and this desire to win and this competitive nature, competitive spirit. All right, so here's um, just a quick list. Uh, ping pong, billiards, video games, lots of different, <laughs> lots of different video games, ultimate frisbee, frisbee golf, basketball, football, golf, paintball, paddle tennis, pickleball, and of course, tennis. No, none of those were made up uh, games. I, uh, by the way, I could make another list of just totally made up games <laughs> uh, that me and like my teammates would just totally make up like on a road trip or maybe uh, sitting in our, in our dorm room and looking for something to do to kill an hour or whatever. Uh, I, could, I could give you guys a list of a dozen totally made up activities or games that me and my friends have done just because we love to compete. And you guys might have heard the, the phrase, iron sharpens iron. If you can get yourself around somebody who's really competitive and just seems to, to always be able to pull matches out, and they always just seem to win, maybe even when the odds are against them, find somebody like that and go play something against them. It doesn't even have to be tennis. Uh, some game, even like you know a board game, it doesn't even have to be a game of skill. And just, just watch them and see how they compete. See what their attitude is like. Now, you don't want to find somebody who has, who has this to an extreme where they're obnoxious and they treat other people poorly and maybe they'll even take their competitiveness to an extreme and maybe even cheat and do whatever it takes to win outside of the rules. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, competitive spirit, but somebody who's still a good sport. And there's a fine line there as well. I, I've competed against many people who are excellent competitors but they're just not nice people. <laughs> and I'm not, uh, I, I'm not saying that you guys should develop that kind of attitude. I, I, I want you all to be good sports people, good sportsmen and, and good sportswomen, but, but d develop this competitive nature as well. Let's see, what else do I have here? So doing these types of activities over and over again hardens you mentally. It gives you focus, determination, and confidence. And a lot of my clients, people that I teach, have ne never really competed in anything seriously before, before picking up tennis. And it takes a while for them to develop this often. And that's the last thing I want to say to you, James, is that what I'm describing, this competitive nature, this competitive spirit, is a skill. This is, this is not something that you're just born with and you either have it or you don't. It's something that, that can be developed and also something that can be lost. And I can say that with confidence. Some of my, by nature, I'm a quiet person, believe it or not. 
I, I'm introverted. I, I kind of like to keep to myself naturally. And my competitive spirit is something that I've developed since childhood up until, well, when I quit playing competitively uh, after college. I've played a few tournaments since then, but not much. And I can tell you guys that my focus and my concentration and my competitiveness has dropped since college. I've had moments of mental weakness during the, the periods of time that I have competed at random things since college where I, I noticed a difference. I, I'm not as confident and as, and as mentally tough as I used to be because I don't practice my, I don't practice what I'm describing as frequently anymore because I have to work <laughs> and I, I compete with clients here and there, but it's not the same thing because most of these people have not developed this competitiveness over their entire lives. And so just like for me, you know, I play down to their level technically. Uh, I play down to their level mentally as well. It wouldn't be any fun for either of us. It wouldn't be a very good learning experience for them. If I just played all out and just crushed them every single time, I keep it close on purpose. Not that I'm being mean about it or that I do it to taunt them, but because it's the best possible practice for them. And I play just one step in front of them so that they can see what they have to do to get better. And I've lost some of my mental toughness over the years. And I, and I just say this to point out that it's a learned skill. Uh, since I, I, I've lo- I gained a lot of focus and concentration and, and intensity over the years, I've lost a little bit of it now. And James, you can do the same thing, the, the gain part. You can gain this focus and this concentration. It's just like, it's just like mastering a good forehand ground stroke swing or a good serve technique. Just like, just like the technical part of your game, you can learn and develop the mental part of your game as well. It's a skill. Through repetition, you can get better at it and achieve excellence. So James, that's, that's the end of my outline. Hopefully, what I'm talking about makes sense. Again, uh, I'll go over it briefly. Two common reasons, I believe, for what you're describing. Letting off the gas pedal, number one. And then number two, nervousness or anxiety from fear of failure or fear of letting your friends down, social pressures. Uh, the, the antidote for this is developing a tenacious competitive spirit. And you can develop this through repetition in competitive environments. And lastly, this is a skill. It's something that, that can be developed and learned. It's something that can be lost as well if you don't keep up with it. So hopefully all of this makes sense. And I, I love this topic because, or all mental toughness topics really, because it's a, it's a way that you guys can really improve your tennis games without even working on technique. Uh, it, it's a it's something a lot of players don't work on, but it is a way that you can improve your game and have a leg up on the competition. And it's something that I've struggled with personally in the past. So I, I like trying to help people work their way through it. And James, if you have anything further on this, or if anything doesn't make sense, or if you have any questions, you can always feel free to let me know. Send me your follow-up questions. Again, my email address is ian, I-A-N, at essentialtennis.com. Thanks very much for writing. Thank you for being a listener. And good luck with this. I I hope that it improves for you. And before long, you're playing the best tennis you ever have. All right. Before we get to our last question on today's show, I want to remind you all about the official sponsor of the Essential Tennis Podcast, and that is Tennis Express the online retailer where you guys can find 
anything you want, <laughs> tennis related, rackets, bags, strings, ball machines, clothing, whatever you need. They've definitely got it there. And at good prices, they have free shipping on orders of $75 and over as well, which is a great deal. And the way that you show them that you're a listener of the show and to support the podcast and, and Tennis Express for being a sponsor, please go to EssentialTennis.com slash Express. almost forgot the link. <laughs> EssentialTennis.com slash Express. That will reroute you over to Tennis Express automatically. Uh, you don't even have to click anything. And when you make a purchase after doing that, EssentialTennis.com will get a small percentage of your order to help support the podcast and the website, and it will show Tennis Express that you're a listener. So thank you very much for your support, those of you who have made orders through that link, and I thank Tennis Express for their support as well. Okay, let's go ahead and get to our last topic, and this comes to us from Kyle W. in North Carolina. He's a 4.0 player. He wrote to me and said, Do you have any tips on recovering to a ready position after you land into the court from serving? My serve is pushing me into the court, and I struggle to get back on balance and move back behind the baseline for a well-struck return. Well, Kyle, it's great that you're getting into the court on your serve in general. So that, that tells me that you're using your legs well, and you're pushing yourself up into the ball and forward into the court really well. So it's excellent that you're having this problem. <laughs> well, I guess it's not excellent that you're having the problem, but it's excellent that you're having to deal with it because you're probably doing a great job with your serve, transferring your weight into the court. So that's great. The uh, I'm, I'm going to try to relay as best as I can to you uh, via audio the technique that you should be using and technique that I teach to my students to gather their balance after the serve. And this is what you'll see basically every professional player doing is exactly the sequence of steps that I'm going to talk about. First of all, you should be pushing up towards the ball on your serve with both legs aggressively. Again, which I assume you're doing already since you're finishing finishing into the court. What a lot of people mess up is which foot to land on first, and you, sh you should be initially landing on your front foot. So if you're right-handed, you should be finishing on your, uh, meaning landing, touching down first into the court on your left foot. And I'm going to go ahead and continue describing this process for you righties out there. I'm sorry. I'm I'm left-handed myself, but those of you who are left-handed are used to to switching everything over, so I'm sure this won't be a problem. So if you're right-handed, you'll be landing on your front foot, and front foot as well if you're left-handed. If you're right-handed, that's your left foot. So push up, uh, initially land on your, your left foot uh, in a balanced way. You should be leaning into the court and touching down on the ball of your left foot. Then you'll make another step forwards, gathering your balance completely onto your right foot. So you'll, you'll push up, leave the court, touch down on your left foot. Your body should be continuing to lean forwards and rotate as you finish your follow-through. And, and so you'll naturally want to catch yourself after landing down initially on your left foot. So you'll take a step out in front of your left foot with your right foot to, to gather yourself, to catch yourself, and then simply use your right foot to push back towards the baseline again. And then if necessary, take another step as well. So I recommend, again, I'll go through this one more time, land initially on your left foot, 
take a step forward and catch yourself with your right foot because your balance should still be leaning forwards as you touch down with your left foot. So catch yourself with your right foot, take uh, push off with your right foot and stride back past your left again, back towards the baseline. If you want to, you can take one more step with your left foot. And so this, this would be a total of taking two steps back if you want to take that second step as well to get yourself back towards the baseline again where you should be to prepare for the return of serve. Now, Kyle, you mentioned trying to get back behind the baseline to prepare for a well-struck return. That's good. But keep in mind, you don't, you shouldn't be moving well past behind the baseline. In fact, if you watch professional players, usually they make their split step somewhere still in front of the baseline or on top of the baseline really is, is the furthest back that you'll see them make their split step most of the time. And that's mostly because they're hitting a really aggressive serve, usually, and they're doing their best to throw their opponent off balance. And so they want to be prepared to to attack as well. Now, of course, if a well-struck return is hit, you don't want to be in no man's land. So I do recommend that you take at least one step back after gathering your balance after your serve. But you should not have to take three or four steps back after finishing your serve. In fact, I don't recommend that unless your serve is really weak and your opponent is just just pounding the heck out of it deep into the court over and over again then of course make an adjustment but i'm guessing since you're really pushing into the court well that's probably not an issue that you have very often uh, but just keep that in mind so really the most i i recommend you take is two steps after gathering your balance left foot first then right foot push back take an additional step if necessary that you should have enough time to do that and then make your split step as your opponent makes contact with their return of serve. So Kyle, hopefully that makes sense. And again, you lefties out there, just reverse the uh, the right and left that I was uh, talking about during that description. Uh, but Kyle, hopefully that's helpful. And the rest of you listening, hopefully that's helpful as well. If you have anything further, feel free to let me know. Good luck. All right, that does it for episode number 151 of the Essential Tennis Podcast. Thank you very much for joining me on today's show. Happy New Year to you and and your family. And I look forward to producing another great year of podcasts here at EssentialTennis.com. Remember to please send me feedback in those two different ways this week if you have the time. First 10 people to leave a comment at EssentialTennis.com slash podcast for this show. Number 151 will receive a free set of string. And if you're listening to this, then it's it's up already on the website. So head over there. And if 10 people haven't commented already, definitely do that quickly. Even if 10 people have, I, I'd, I'd still love to hear from you. And I, I always appreciate feedback. And also, send me your ideas, thoughts, feedback, concerns for 2011 about the Essential Tennis podcast and website in general. Tell me what you'd like to see changed, improved, etc. added. I'd love to hear from you. And you can send me that at ian at essentialtennis.com. All right. With that, I'm going to wrap things up. Again, thank you very much for joining me. Take care and good luck with your tennis.